When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. You guys, welcome to episode uh, 215, that is psychotic, of Dunzo. It is me, Troy McEady, and this is like truly a milestone. I will say on record that this is going to be a milestone episode. I can't believe that it's taken us this long to do this, but we are finally here. I am joined by Lisa from the Eat, Pray, Britney podcast. Lisa, how are you? I am really great, Troy. How are you? I'm really great and I'm really excited. Like, I, it's like, first of all, I don't know if you realize that you're my first, this is my first recording post Britney becoming free. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I, the only person that I've talked to is like Jack. Well, I've talked to like everyone not on a podcast right, because like, right, you yeah, know, yeah. one can ask me like even simple questions, like, how are you without me <laughs> launching into, I'm great. Britney's free. She posted today <laughs> to let us know she had a great weekend. But yeah, I really can't believe that. I mean, anytime I get to talk to you is such a treat. Anytime I get to talk about Britney is such a treat. But to talk about this, like at this moment, like feels especially really, really, really special and momentous. It does. And especially it's, you know, if of all albums, this album is like so specific and um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm in, I'm obviously we're both in high spirits. Uh, we just talked about housewives for like an hour before recording. <laughs> just like, a little vocal warm up, you know, <laughs> right. a little how now brown cow, but instead it was, you know, <laughs> hi. <laughs> hi. Uh, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you about baby one more time. And, oh, by the way, that's what we're doing today. Hi. We're talking about the baby one more time album today. Um, I've been weirdly avoiding this for whatever reason, and I'll work through those thoughts with you while we're going. Um, but I'm anxious to know, like, when were you introduced to Baby One More Time, if you even remember? Okay, so definitely the song, I feel like pretty soon after it came out, because it was, I remember every day sitting at home after school watching it on TRL. And I definitely, I was trying to go back to remember when, I got the album and I feel like I got it for Easter maybe. And I know I got the cassette first because I'm as we go through the songs, the original like North American version doesn't have some of the songs that I now very closely associate with Baby One More Time that were on some of like the international versions. So I must have at some point gotten a CD of it that had like deep in my heart and stuff on it. So I don't know. I'm I'm guessing April 99, if we're going by album, is like or whenever Easter was in 1999, I definitely remember going through the cassette liner line by line to the point that like it wouldn't fold anymore and then it was ripping. <laughs> what you about re- you? Um, well, okay. So 
I remember very specifically, I, do, I had to think about this today and I was hit over the head with a, um, a kind of funny memory, but also kind of grossly embarrassing. So I remember the first time I ever saw Brittany, I was at a barbershop and I was getting my hair cut. And I remember sitting in like the booster chair and the guy like, like cutting my hair and he had like a big giant fat back TV and Brittany, like the baby one more time video was on. And I remember hearing, and I was like, my eyes were, they had left my skull and like walked over to the TV. Like they were on Springs and <clears throat> he was like, oh, like, do you guys know about this girl? Like her name is Brittany Spears. Like she's 16. And I remember them making a big deal about her being 16 because she was like sexy and everybody was like, oh, that's crazy. And I remember him turning the chair and me rubbernecking, basically going full exorcist. Like I could look down and see the backs <laughs> of my feet. This is so vivid. I can see all of this. And like from that moment on, I was like, oh, it's on and popping. Um, but yeah, the, the, the CD actually, I've talked about this before. Um, my mom used to just like sort of willy nilly buy me stacks of pop CDs for Christmas, like blindly without knowing if I liked the people or, you know, and they were always great. Like she bought me, all of the girls and all of the the boy bands and all the, just from like blindly picking them up at Target. And this was one of those moments where my mom bought this CD having no idea really who Britney was. And she just kind of bought it, not realizing that she would change my entire life. Oh, I just got chills when you said that. <laughs> I mean, first of all, it sounds like your mom has great taste and gifts, <laughs> yeah. but also like who knew? Right. Like, you know, you'd be embarking later. on like a lifelong journey alongside Brittany especially like I feel like with everything that's happened, like we grew up with her but then like just everything that we've been through with Brittany and like this yeah. is where it all began yes a, like a 20 well what were CDs at the time like 30 dollars oh my god <laughs> I don't even because I feel like I was so I must have I don't even think I had like a CD player like my own like we had one in our house but I had to like it was my dad. So I had to like ask my parents to use it. Cause like the first CD I ever got was Jagged Little Pill. And it was from one of those, like, um, what was it? Columbia house or whatever, where you like got like the CDs for like a oh, penny or something. In the mail. Yes. And yeah. so I picked that out. And then like my mom was letting me listen to it like downstairs while she was like cleaning. And then she's like, what did she just say? Like, keep playing it, mom. Leave me oh alone. God. Like this is like, you know, 1995 <laughs> or whatever. But like, I don't even think in 1999, I guess it would have been when I would have had this album. Like, I don't think I had a CD player yet. So everything was very much cassette still. And, and even cassette singles. Like, I want to say I had the baby one more time cassette single because that obviously would have come out well before the album was released so I definitely and you know the cassette singles were just like a sleeve of like cardboard right yeah. like I can remember like I definitely had the the baby one more time I was probably you know popping out my um candle in the wind 1997 out of my <laughs> walkman to pop in my baby one more time single so you know Wow. You're so right about that, though. That was during the time when, like, traditionally, most families had, like, a family sort of, I, I don't know what they would call like, um, I guess back then you would call it, like, a sound system. Like, it was, like, a family CD player that was, like, big. And then... Yeah, and, like, had a tape deck connected to it and stuff. My dad was, like, yeah. very into, like, audio stuff, so he had one that they were connected, but 
yeah, like I don't, I mean, some of my friends had like boom boxes. Like that was like a very big deal to have a CD boom box. I feel like at that time. And then some people did have discmans, but that was like, they were in the future. Yeah. Our version of like every person, our age, like at some point on Christmas got like their version of the boom box. Yeah. And then that was like your CD player, like everybody. And I, I, I love boom box culture. Like I yes. want, I need to do a full episode about boom box culture and everybody buying like just how crazy they got with like mega bass. Like they had like all those crazy dials and knobs that like didn't really do anything. Well, and like the colors that they would be either like the plastic that what color yes. it was or they would light up or like whatever, yeah. like. Yeah, boom boxes were a crazy time, a crazy destructive time. Cause it was like, I'm going to give my teenager the ability to literally rattle our walls with music. Like. ridiculous well and like it's so communal instead of now where everything's like you're listening to it with like airpods or something like the whole point of boombox is that is that you're listening I mean people can hear it whether they want to or not but like most of the time it's like you're with your friends sitting around and like putting stuff and then like when they started being the boomboxes with like the multiple cd changers oh my god that was like the original like shuffle like remember when ipod shuffle like ipod had the shuffle function and you were like we're living in oh my the future, god but the cd like the five disc cd changer was the original of that where you put that yeah. on shuffle and like you thought you were like a dj or something <laughs> right. like queuing up the playlist for that night's sleepover like that was like whoa yeah and i would definitely say um the reason that you know britney became such like a you know like for me like for my family Britney became like a really big part of my family just obviously because I was like shoving her down everybody's throats every minute I could get um and because of having a boom box and my family having to hear her albums over and over and over like they had favorite songs they had least favorite songs like when my mom and I went to the concert there were songs that my mom was excited to hear because at that point she'd heard the album thousands of times you know what I mean (laughs) totally I we would like when we'd be driving we would have like I would make my mom put the tape like we'd get to pick like me or my brother like who was listening to whatever and so when I got to pick obviously I was picking to listen to Britney and so yeah the amount of times my poor mom and same thing my mom took me to the because I got to see Britney on the baby one more time tour which talk about like not understanding the historical significance at the time and like the rest of your life being downhill from that like little did I know (laughs) like how lucky I was but yeah my mom was like because she already knew all the songs but then she was like really impressed with like how much of a stage presence Britney had and like how how great of a performer how much of a command of of the audience she had and everything like that but yeah I, I vividly remember one time driving around and like I know we're gonna go through all the songs but you know the beat goes on and my mom was really in a sunny and share right and was like oh I know this one I'm like okay mom yeah and you're like okay mom because it's a remake but I'm like it. singing to it so like okay <laughs> right. well let's get started let's talk about this fucking album uh let's do it the one thing that I wanted to say just like right off the bat before we get into the songs is that you know obviously like there is a there's a I've 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 done the work you have done the work I have done the work we have talked about Britney's voice many times on our on our podcasts right and there is in my opinion a, a massive misconception about Britney that they made her change her voice when she became famous 
which, you know, to an extent is true. But to me, in my opinion, like the Britney voice was like just sort of a, a, a slight little switch in how she sang. It was more stylized for pop music. But what they consider the baby voice didn't really happen until like oops and like onward. Um, so I just think that this album is like, I think that this album deserves much more than it gets uh, and much more recognition for many things but mostly because of britney's voice her voice voice, is so good on this like when everyone's like can she sing or not like there's so many voices where she's so many songs where she's singing from her deeper register Mm -hmm. and like really like belting it out at some point i mean yes some of those songs are maybe not songs you would think about belting out such as soda pop but like her voice sounds so good and I feel like I mean I'm a very nostalgic person obviously but like I love this album and I would put this pretty high in like my top Britney albums more of a lot for the memories of it obviously because this was such a huge deal to me when it came out and but I really also feel like there's some really great songs on here that I mean just buckle up because everyone knows what's coming when it comes to email my heart and right. like three I hope you are not doing anything until three in the morning because that's how long it's going to be <laughs> talk about that song. but like I really feel like this album gets mocked in a way that like it really doesn't deserve because like it didn't just set the foundation for Britney's career like I feel like there's some actually interesting stuff happening on here that really shows that it wasn't just, oh, Britney was like young and cute and that's why she took off. Like she was really talented in it and you can really see that here. I, I think, I mean, you worded it perfectly. I think this is truly what I refer to as Broadway baby Britney. Like this is Britney, it, this is an extension of Britney's Broadway training. This is her belting and singing like a stage kid um, in the best way. And you know, there's riffs and runs and grunts and groans and growls. And they they layered her voice on this album in a way that they've never done since. And it's incredible because you can hear there's like, you know, five, six layers of her voice and some of these songs. And it's all her. And she's doing all kinds of crazy vocal riffs. And, you know, she's just like, there's so much work that went into this album you can just tell from her totally and I and I hear what you're saying about the question of you know always can she sing or where did they break her voice to make her do the baby voice or whatever whatever all of that stuff but I feel like the thing that you just said that comes through on here too is like how hard she was already working and obviously that has big ramifications later of what ended up what she ended up going through and the things that people were putting her through but like Mm -hmm. I just feel like this isn't when they always tell the stories of how supposedly it was just Britney taking direction really well or whatever like this is somebody who has really good vocal instincts and has talent and they talk about she was in the booth in Sweden for like days at a time like she already had the work ethic but this is somebody who knew what they were doing yes she was being coached and stuff like that it's not like she just showed up in like this is what happened but like also did have like really awesome instincts that still never get enough credit like musically Britney is talented and that's never usually part of the conversation like her dancing is what people will talk about when they're talking about her as a performer or her command of a stage in the audience but she is musically talented and I I really hate that that always gets lost in the shuffle or is like people roll their eyes and they're like okay like 
you're just saying that because you're obsessed with her. Right, totally. I actually, I wrote down a couple quotes um, that we'll get into from Eric Foster White, who was the, um, basically created Britney's sound and was responsible for, you know, telling her to sing in her Britney voice and um, really played a huge part in sort of the introduction of Britney to the world and had already worked on like more than half this album um, before she was even fully signed. Like they were still trying to figure things out. So, um, you know, he had said that of all the artists that he's worked with, and he's worked with a ton of really iconic people, that he had never experienced anybody who had the work ethic that Britney had as a kid. Um, And he was like, you know, I, I just have always known, even though pop acts come and go, and I've worked with pop acts that have come and gone, like Britney was special and that there wouldn't be another version of her. And we all kind of knew that, like going into recording this album, the reason that they had so much faith in her is because they knew how special she was and that they had this sort of lightning in a bottle experience with her. I really feel like it is lightning in a bottle because there's so much that gets analyzed of why Britney, you know, that there were all the boy bands at that time and Britney was going to break that mold. And there's always a once in a generation person. She kept being always compared to Madonna when we all know Janet is who Britney was looking to as her icon. Yes, But like, it's, it's just, I feel like it's still not giving Britney enough credit. Like they're always to always make it like, well, it's a cycle and it would have been somebody if it wasn't Britney. But like, I don't really think that's true. Like Britney is a once in a generation talent on a level of a Janet or a Madonna or a Mariah or like whoever you want to Whitney, like because of her, like not just because it was time for that cycle to repeat itself again. Yeah, for sure. It, it was because, yeah, she was special. It wasn't anything to do with like, like you said, the timing or anything like that it was because she was just like this Olympic pop star ready, like had been training since she was four to be this thing that was like in front of her. And she was like, it's here. Like, it's finally here. The thing that I've been training for since before I could talk is here. And she, it's like, she knew. Um, and I also just think it's interesting. I was reading about how, you know, she went into the studio sort of hoping to make like her version of um, a Sheryl Crow album. And then they I was hoping her. that you would get to this. Because <laughs> I love 90 Sheryl Crow so much. Oh my God. Strong enough? Like, oh! the fuck on. Like, if I don't, don't want Britney to perform if she doesn't want to but if she ever wants to do a cover of that song oh my god I, my ears Lisa. are ready oh my god that's that is that's it that's what Britney would do Britney would do like if she did decide to perform I feel like it would be some kind of Cheryl Crow something we know how much she loves her and every time yeah. you said she would always say that that's what she was envisioning and even after this album she would say for later albums that's what she was going for and that's what she was hoping to hear like more of an adult sound so it is yeah. fascinating that this is what she ended up with and obviously I know like she would give interviews for later albums even I think starting with oops even though that was still very much controlled by the label but trying to say that like baby was more like the, the label's idea and now she's going to be injecting her own ideas into it obviously she didn't write any of the songs on baby but I feel like it's so fascinating that Cheryl Crow was what she was going in with I mean vocally I guess maybe that's but obviously the style of these songs is not you know right. there, there's some pretty uh it's pretty far apart right yeah the only Cheryl moment she's ever gotten is 
in Crossroads when she gets to sing If It Makes You Happy. L- literally, like, from the radio. <laughs> oh, Shonda Rhimes is probably like, girl, of course you can sing Sheryl Crow. Oh Don't ask God. twice. Don't even ask again. Right? Talk right about a, a meeting of the minds there. I mean. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about the title track. You guys may have heard of it. Um, it's sort of an underground EDM dubstep song you really have to know somebody to know somebody uh it's called baby one more time um do you I don't even know how to if this is one of those songs I say this every time we talk about like the big release from a Britney album but it's like how do you review baby one more time all right well this is fresh in my mind so this is where I'll start off with did you watch the this is pop show on Netflix have you seen any of those episodes uh, yeah, I have. Yeah. Okay. So the Stockholm syndrome episode is my favorite one because it talks all about how ABBA, you know, went from winning Eurovision to basically, you know, tracking the, the course of pop music for the next 50 years and Dennis Pop who passed away, but worked with Max Martin that they were really the then, you know, next people after ABBA, there were some people along the way, but that they were really the next ones to bring this pop sound everywhere. And so there's somebody from Chiron talking, I can't remember his name, but talking in the doc about they call the the their thumb, index finger, and middle finger the hit rake. And all songs have to, you just play anything that you would play that would be a hit, you can play with those three fingers. Mm, and they call yeah, it yeah. the hit rake. It has a name in Swedish, but then they do it for baby one more time to do the dun dun dun. And it is like, and they say like that's how all hit songs are made. And so I'll never not think of the hit rake now when I hear the song because truly like the beginning, like when you hear that, it's like I don't, it's like the law and order, like dun dun. Like it's right. <laughs> something like courses through your veins, and you're just like, oh my God, what's happening? It's so true that it's, it's so, that's such a fun, a fun little fact. Yeah. I think that the most interesting thing now about Baby One More Time, I mean, there's obviously so many things, but one of the things that I love is just sort of the folklore surrounding this song and the fact that, you know, it was originally meant for TLC and I just like picturing that and um, this idea that, you know, Baby One More Time and Britney as an artist exists because like the label couldn't convince Robin to like come over to America and like become an American pop star the way she had become a European pop star against her will and they're like well we need Robin like we need a version of Robin so like when you listen to this song you have to listen to it knowing that this is the American version of Robin and like the fact that Britney and Robin then later went they like worked together it's just all of that stuff I think is so cool that's oh my god I love like musical sliding doors or like movie sliding doors and like this person would have been cast or whatever like that that is that's so cool because like the thing that I've always heard and like I think this is true sort of but like now it's become so much of the story is like TLC turned it down because it was entitled hit me baby one more time and they were like what is that and yeah. thinking of what this would sound like as a TLC song is a whole other sliding door. But you're right, like Rob, I mean, it doesn't get better than Robin, whether in the 90s, right. the 2000s, any era that you're talking about. You know, yeah, and so, so to piggyback off what you just said, I also love that I've talked about this many times in the podcast. I never get sick of bringing it up. I think it's so funny and interesting and fascinating 
the fact that, you know, this is so early into Max Martin working with American artists. And, you know, the fact that this song makes no sense and that Max Martin thought Americans used this phrase a lot. Like he thought that we just like said this all the time about calling somebody back, like hit me, baby. Nobody, you know what I mean? It's like- Well, because I guess where did he, obviously must've heard someone say like hit me up or something. Right. And that got like- you know, turned in his mind into, I mean, the fact that anyone can, like, I can barely speak English, never mind another (laughs) language. So the fact that, like, people were like, oh, no, he didn't translate that perfectly. Like, this man who is responsible for, like, almost every pop song of the last 25, 30 years, like, I'm I'm really not going to give Max too hard of a time about the translation here. Like, Duolingo didn't exist yet. Like, I think it's okay. Right. And that was the charm. That's the charm of a Max Martin song. It's like, you know, I want it that way. Who knows? Does it make sense? Like it doesn't need to make sense. It's a great song. Yeah. It's just good. And it's almost like the fact that it can mean so many things is like what makes it so great. Totally. Totally. It's, it's very like enigmatic in a way. And like very, I mean, not to go there, but like, I know, obviously we both know that Britney loves the Mona Lisa, but it's kind of like the Mona Lisa, like it can mean whatever you want it to mean, (laughs) like it's, but it's this like classic thing that like means everything and nothing at the same time and is like so familiar, but also like when you really think about it is like so strange because even like the sound of the song, like doesn't really match up with everything else that was happening on the radio at the time. Like it was so like you're saying, like when you saw the, obviously the video is a huge part of it too, but like, even what the song sounds like, like that was a huge part of why I immediately was like, what is this? Like, who is this girl? Like what's going on? Like it, she didn't look like anyone else at that time. It didn't sound like anything else. Like it really felt like it was from like somewhere in some other time. Yeah. I, I, think that that's such a good way to put it it's like the combination of this being a European pop song um inspired by black artists of the 90s being sung by this really special young girl who had such a specific vibe and such a specific sort of um, unique twist that she put on things it's like this perfect tornado of this weird song and it also introduces us to weird need like baby one more time is a fucking weird song in the best way i mean we're so lucky that there is weird need galore on this album i can't wait to get into it but like you're right like this is a weird song like but in in such a great way yeah it's uh it's hard to it's hard to kind of put it into words because it's just like you know, this song is like the Statue of Liberty of pop music. Like it just, you know what I mean? It's like, how do you even, what can you say aside from everything? <laughs> you know what I mean? But then it's hard to articulate anything. Like I think, cause how many, it was pretty recently, right? That the Rolling Stone list of debut singles, this was number one. On yeah. That. Yeah. And I feel like at the same time, it's still not enough due because I do think where in some ways, like where would pop music be without Britney in general but even with the song kind of like young Gen Z people don't know a world where baby one more time doesn't exist it's true and it is honestly it's it's almost in a sense kind of scary to think where pop music would be because this song was sort of the you know this was like the 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 metaphorical torch being passed from the Spice Girls right 
and the totally. Spice Girls were like kind of on their way out like they were about to be done and people I think felt like pop had kind of like this this song almost kind of reminds me of Scream in the oh. sense that do you know what I mean like <laughs> And the way that people thought that pop was like going to be dead and that it had been kind of beat to death in the 90s or the the way early 90s and um, that it would die with the Spice Girls era and with Jerry leaving the Spice Girls and stuff. But like, who knew that this was going to happen? And it really is like, you know, however many years later, like we have this song to thank for pop being at the forefront of music constantly. Totally. And I mean, not that Max would not have been successful otherwise, but this is the song that like, if they were going to list the one song that Max Martin wrote, I think it would be this one. Right. Like this is, I mean, he has a whole jukebox musical now of all of his amazing songs he's written for literally every artist who has existed in the last 25 years. But I feel like this is the song that they'd be like, that's, this is the classic quintessential yeah. song like where where would pop music be without Britney or Max because this this song for both of them is the whole like a whole new era was was dawning do you have a favorite version of the song like in the times that Britney has like remixed it I so this is where I feel like my nostalgia gets in the way like Jacqueline would have a much better answer to this also Jacqueline being from Jersey like there's no remix that she doesn't if she can pump her <laughs> to it, then like it's, it's what she wants I feel like I am a purist like to me nothing's ever going to be better than the original that being said I do feel like this song remixes particularly well like I can't really think of remixes that I don't like of it actually I love the the dream within a dream tour version oh yeah I just think- I mean anything from Dream Within a Dream. Like <laughs> right. was the there a better time, time moment in time? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, that that tour is the best version of everything Britney's ever done up to that point. Um, but I do I love like the like her singing it a cappella at the beginning in that really slow, like sexy tone. And oh, I if you guys have never heard, just YouTube Dream Within a Dream Baby one more time. It is such a magical version of this song and then it has like starbucks sirens in the back going like like (laughs) sirening you (laughs) oh man um well yeah let's move on to drive me crazy another song that's uh feels almost impossible to talk about but i'm sure we'll find a way well i guess to to start can i obviously we're talking about the album version but can i ask what is your preference the stop remix or the original (laughs) i like the original okay i know that like most people i think would say the stop remix but i like the i like the og version i like both of them which usually when people say that as an answer to stuff i'm like that's not an answer but i feel like they both really have their merits and are Mm -hmm. almost different enough songs that i don't i mean i know they're the same song but like i think you can really consider them separately i mean i love the the cowbell is so heavy in the original and like the rock nature like i the Mm -hmm. original has a lot of a lot of charms yeah i think it's because i have such an attachment to that goddamn cowbell like it truly is so strong like it's it is really amazing (laughs) because who who even thinks to put like a rock cowbell in a pop song I don't know like it's so and then like the the guitar solo like it's just it has a lot going on like it is a very like busy song 
but in like a good I mean it's about someone being driven crazy so I guess like all of these uh I was gonna say ambient noises but they're not ambient like all of these noise noises are maybe the way to ratchet up the drama in the song yeah for sure I I, I will say that I think visually like this music video is this is gonna this is gonna sound really sacrilegious let me think of a way to say this without sounding like I'm <laughs> let me like buckle I'm, up because I don't yeah. know what's coming next oh god okay so obviously the baby one more time video is like really iconic but as far as like what Britney would become known for I think the drive me crazy video kind of feels in, in a weird way almost more Britney does that make sense I get what you're saying I mean yeah even I think her look in it but definitely like the dance sequences like even the setting of it in a way like I I I get what you're saying with that it almost feels more like an introduction to Britney because yeah like the dancing um the way that she's styled like yeah oh my god that green top like I want to know who makes that green top if like any because the 90s are having in early 2000s are having such a moment right now like someone needs to re-release that green top it's made of like a tablecloth or vinyl. I don't know what it's made out of, but like, I, oh my God, like in her, her eyeshadow, like everything in that video, like even at the beginning when they're dressed as the waitresses and we yeah. get, we get some goofy Britney moments. Yes. Like I, you're right. It is really a good representation of yeah. like Britney. It's very, very early Britney. Like of yes. all of the music videos of this era, that one is the most like, just Britney like all yes. of it yeah like the silly moments where she's like at the beginning when she's smiling and um I don't know like baby one more time just feels more sort of stylized like the like it's themed whereas this one is just it's themed as Britney being a pop star yeah well and we're so lucky too that we got a making the video of oh this and so I think that's probably part of it too is like I mean what a shame that they we've only have those few brief interview clips from the baby one more time right you know, behind the scenes like there is no making the video for that there is no making the video for some time well there's that little like feature thing but not really like right. the making the video of crazy I feel like is part of the reason that it feels so much like an introduction because that making the video I feel like is one of although I'd seen her talk in interviews and stuff like that was one of the times that like really made me sit up and I'm like oh my god like I want to be friends with Brittany like she's the yeah. coolest ever. She's so funny. Like, and that making the video was one of the things that really cemented me really, really paying attention to her as like a person, not just like her as like the artist. I totally agree with that. It was very, it really sort of, um, it really showed just like why she's special. It was like, oh, she's like, and it, you know, it really hammered without like trying because it was all obviously just like, it came naturally to her, but the whole like, idea that Britney could like be your friend and also she's really hot and like boys want to date her but also girls want to like be friends with her and they're not totally threatened by her because she's so down to earth and cool and whatever that making the video was major in the marketing and the branding of Britney Spears like just huge totally but in a way too that I feel like wasn't although obviously everything was the record label had a strategy behind it all but Britney the real Britney was coming through too so Mm -hmm. although it was very packaged and produced and whatever like the real Britney 
I feel like was what we were, that's what we were responding to. Like the record label might've thought it was whatever focus group thing that they ran, but like it was the, the Britney, right. her, you know, herself and in her personality that people were really responding to and clicking with. Yeah. It, it makes you feel really, really old that like for us as kids, the cameo of Melissa Joan Hart was like so major. And now like you'd have to re- like basically give a like a, a lesson as to who she even is. You know what oh I mean? Oh my god. I mean, I can't not call her Melissa Joan Fart because of the whole Danny <laughs> Pellegrino like theme. Like I can't I can never not call her that. But yeah, I mean, nowadays like the only one of those two you'd be reading about anywhere is when uh Dumois had that whole Adrian Grenier phase at the beginning of quarantine last year all about his right. like environmentalism and other other things so like oh yeah what a strange but also feels oddly appropriate inclusion of those two I mean because yeah and remember like when Britney had to be on Sabrina the Teenage Witch that was like the uh swap so yes. she was like appearing on there as, and then like oh I oh, that was that's such a big deal when she was on <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know and I just I always think about you know like Melissa Joan Hart's like stories of Britney and them wanting to like go out together and you know just that like you know for sure that Melissa got to see like a side of her that we would literally give our lives for It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. totally and like Britney when like she still was so like fresh to the scene Mm -hmm. and not that not to say that she was jaded even years into being massively famous but just to think what it would have been like to be hanging out with Britney right in like the summer of 1999 absolutely or or spring of 1999 I can't remember when when that video was filmed yeah, this is a great, um, this is a, just a really great single. I completely understand why they released it. Um, I, I do think that it could have been first and I think that it would have been major and I, obviously it would have been a whole different thing. But like, I just think, yeah, this is, this song is just great. It's it's unapologetic bubblegum pop. And I also, I'm so happy that you mentioned the guitar solo because like <laughs> there's a fucking guitar it's a, solo it's really an aggressive one too like I feel like pop guitar solos of the late 1990s were not a thing like this is really like they really committed to it yeah it's got this real sort of like I don't know like it sounds like especially the stop remix sounds like it's like the audio is being recorded like at a concert it's got like a real like concerty kind of vibe to it you know with all the voices in the background totally. and and yeah and her, she's supposed to sound kind of like I don't know distant or gritty or whatever like it's not the same quality of vocal right like, <laughs> when she's telling you to sing it she's on stage 
literally or standing on like a giant speaker or something yeah <laughs> I mean knowing Max's background is like a dark like a like heavy metal like death metal person like Right. I don't know because I know obviously many people wrote this song but like I like to think that Max was like you know what we got to put in here we got to put in <laughs> someone shredding a guitar <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> so crazy <laughs> um you want to move on to sometimes oh my god I yes I'm so ready I'm very anxious to know your thoughts about sometimes I I mean I love it that's I have I the this is a really hard I mean I'm a very critical person it's very hard for me to be critical about anything on this album with one exception we'll get to but I love sometimes so much I hate that she doesn't like it I never want her to perform it if she doesn't like it but I love this video so much I love this song so much I think this is interesting in talking it like you just said about the order of the singles this is really interesting that this was the second single agreed you know because like I guess because they were kind of going this this really does veer between ballads and more up-tempo pop on this whole album but I I love sometimes and I it's very hard for me to I know people make fun of it and I know why but it's hard for me to do that I just think that it's it's bubblegum pop at its absolute finest I mean it really is like you don't get catchier bubblegum pop music than sometimes for me and I think um you mentioned um the release of the singles and I've always felt like sometimes was so pivotal in the the branding of Britney Spears because it was like her whole thing the the intention of the label was that Britney would shock you and do something really sexy that would make you clench your pearls but then she would call you sir and be very respectful and, you know, be a, a good Christian Baptist girl from the South. And, you know, the duality between those two songs of Baby One More Time and the sexy video and the controversy that it caused and whatever, I've heard them described sometimes as um, the sigh of relief for parents. And I, I oh, think that's, that's you know what I mean? really descriptive. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally see that. It's like this is I mean she's literally wearing white the entire video. <laughs> yeah. She couldn't look more innocent. I mean it's like, you know, you really kind of get an idea of what they were going for. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I never thought it, but yeah, now that I actually I'm thinking about yeah, even the other single like that this album really follows that pattern. Yeah. And maybe that's part of, I mean, I'm sure she has all different reasons for not liking the song. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But like the bridge of this song, like try to not do the choreo during the bridge of that song. Oh my God. Like, are you kidding me? Like, and if you're not even on a pier in Malibu, like any sort of bridge structure next to water, are you not like immediately transported to that? I know I am. Like, how can you not be? Like, it's just, and even the look of this video, I feel like, yes, the 2000s and late 90s are having such a moment right now, but Britney's white turtle crop turtleneck and the parachute pants with dark sketchers, such a choice to not have a white shoe but to have like a darker sketcher, but like that whole look, I could see that five times a minute walking down the street in New York right now. 
like that oh look God. is back in such a major way like it's just so funny to me like everyone's dressing like the sometimes video there's so many crop turtlenecks that i'm seeing for for sale online right now <laughs> i actually i wrote down a couple quotes one of them i believe may have something to do with the reason britney may not like the song um and one of them this first one is from a musicologist who reviewed the song when it was released um she said uh, her name is Melanie Lowe, and it says the positive message the girl is fine and sometimes lies not so much in the song itself, but rather in its contrast, both lyrical and musical. With Spears' other songs, uh, in the end, the girls celebrate the many sides of Britney and the idea communicated musically that she has different personalities. And I think that that's kind of like a, a, a much better stated way of saying what I just tried to say that, you know, it's like, they were smart to introduce all these facets of Britney's personality because they were selling Britney's personality. Like they knew the true lightning in a bottle, aside from the fact that she was this incredible performer, a great singer, had been dancing or whatever her whole life. Those things were all sort of like a cherry on top of the Sunday, which was Britney's personality. Totally. Yeah. You're, well, cause I also, I just looked up cause I was trying to remember. So the, Rolling Stone cover came out at the end of March so this single came out within like two weeks of that wow so like talk about a yeah like you know all news is good news but also talk about a major uh direction shift from what the conversation would have been right immediately before that yeah and just to think like the way that they were initially sort of setting her up not realizing the way that they were setting her up for an inevitable failure, you know, not career-wise or album sales-wise, of course, but just in her personal life. Life-wise. Life yeah, like, my God, like, the, you know, the way that they purposely confused the public about who she was so that the public and parents had no choice but to feel this sort of disdain for her because they felt like she was lying all the time. Yeah, or that there was something inauthentic or calculated or whatever about it. Right. Um, I'm going to read this second quote that is about the controversy surrounding this song, which I didn't really know anything about, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah, do tell. <laughs> okay, so it says, the song created controversy over the writing credits. Steve Wallace, an Indiana songwriter, claimed that he wrote sometimes in 1990, but did not copyright it until 2003 four years after Spears registered the song's copyright. Wallace claimed that Britney Spears confessed that he wrote the song by showing to the court a possible email from Britney, which said, quote, I know, I now know for a fact that you wrote sometimes, but there's nothing I can do about it. And that's all I can say about it. The email was considered fake and the lawsuit was dismissed on October 31st of 2005. Uh, Oh my God. Yeah. So it's like, no wonder she hates this fucking song. Um, and the judge ruled that the singer did not steal the song. So that guy faked emails and claimed that she confessed that she didn't, that wasn't hers. That's so bizarre. But what I guess I'm, because this is one of the Swedish, this is one of the ones written by the Swedish right. writers and producers. So how would he have <laughs> right. come in contact with them for them to steal the song? <clears throat> it's so odd. And also the fact that it, it this went on until 2004. Five. Oh my god like she was in the k-fed era then right like chaotic was happening like oh my god 
that's crazy to think about that feels like a lifetime later (laughs) that actually like makes me feel really uncomfortable and like weird to be honest like that is so yeah no wonder she hates the song like you said so that's that's interesting um but yeah I mean sometimes it's a great is a great single I've enjoyed it I I have no qualms with this song um you know like I said bubble pop perfection and not it's in the in a good way not in the way that's like um earwormy like yeah. it's just pleasant it's a pleasant this song. is it's a pleasant song and the video just makes me feel like it's a feel-good song I mean not maybe for Britney which doesn't right. make me really sad like but it's it's a great song yeah totally like this I feel like this is one of the songs I remember like not maybe specific memories attached to, but just that feeling of like wanting to listen to the song over and over when I got yeah. the album and just like love it. And especially because like listening to this album the whole summer and like this to me is like a very summer song, not just because the video is like so sunny and all of that. Like it just, it's it's a feel good song. Yeah, and I feel like I should have said this at the very beginning, but this whole album, but especially this song is just fun to sing, right? Yes this is a fun album to sing along to. There are some pop albums that are fun to listen to, but don't have that same sort of like, it's really fun to match Britney's vocals, to match the riffs and the runs. And she's really like doing the most on this album. Like it's almost fun to sing in like a Christina way. Totally. I mean, (laughs) she's like belting. I mean, that's fully belting the way that she is in a couple of these other songs, but like she, there's some moments on sometimes like it's, it's not all, you know. Right subdued like again the bridge I dare anyone to not do the choreo and sing along with it I I just don't think even if you don't like the song like and you're doing it mockingly but really secretly because you love it like I just don't think that you cannot do it (laughs) I'm doing doing it right now (laughs) (laughs) um let's talk about soda pop we're here okay so like (laughs) we're literally a dissertation could be written on on this song talk about weird me weird me at her absolute weirdest like what in the world bop shabop like (laughs) what is this but also like oh my god so good but also like, so good like, I'm so happy that you I can't feel that way. Sk- I can't skip it that's the thing there's only one song in this that I'm gonna be like mildly critical of I can't skip this song I know it is ridiculous it's also kind of problematic quite frankly like I'm not sure this is the right song for Britney to be singing like right but I can't skip it it's just again you want to talk about a fun song to sing girl this is <laughs> one of them I can't not go into the back of my throat and start growl singing I can't help it it's so fun to sing this goddamn weird ass song it's so weird like what was because so like you said Eric Foster White like this album is really split between his contributions and then the stuff from Sweden and like Mm -hmm. I am just so curious like what vibe they thought this was bringing and like how this fit in with the other songs like because I guess like all like novelty songs have always been a part of pop music especially kind of like teeny bopper right acts or whatever so like was that what they were envisioning this as like I really am just so curious what the thought process was for soda pop Pop it is just (laughs) it is just so fucking odd but what I will tell you listeners put on your headphones good ones like good headphones turn it up real loud and just 
listen to the fucking shit that Britney is doing with her voice in this goddamn song. Oh my God. The riffs, the runs, the layers of her voice. Oh my God. Seriously, that's why it's like, it's almost a shame because like this song is so absurd that I feel like people really don't listen to her voice in it. And this is where she's singing in the lower register. There's parts that she's like really singing it. Like you said, the layers of her background vocals on this, like she sounds amazing. If this was not soda pop and this was something else, people would be talking about this totally differently. Like, do people, do you think that most people know that when a pop artist does an album, like they don't typically layer their own, their own vocals. Like there are people that come in and do layers and then they layer it on top. And Britney as a teenager went in and recorded layer after layer after layer after layer of her own voice, just doing ad libs and riffs and just like doing all of this experimental fun stuff with her voice. But I mean, she is singing her ass off for whatever reason on this song. Like, it's crazy. That's the thing. Like you said, for whatever reason, like I feel stupid being so (laughs) over the top about this song, but her voice is really great here in her performance of this song because even like I don't know when they brought her this song was she like huh like she fully commits to it like no matter how silly or again like I don't even know what this is like I'm not even sure she's like is she the right person to be singing this I don't know but like (laughs) she fully commits to this song vocally in a way that's like if if this was not soda pop and this was like I don't know what what has the same number of syllables as soda pop, but like if this was had different lyrics, this would be a totally different conversation. I'm gonna read this little quote from infomore.com that did a think piece about soda pop a couple of oh years ago. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> it says, uh, while the song seems to have left a bad taste in the collective mouths of critics everywhere, fans at the time fizzled with joy at Britney's soaring vocals and her infectious love of soda popping, even if it did sound like nothing else on the album. Although it's easy to see now why the song's reggae vibes might have sounded out of place back in 99, it's also clear that the experimental nature of soda pop would go on to inform the genre bending uh, that defined later albums like Femme Fatale and In the Zone. Part of Britney's appeal has always been her weirdness, and it doesn't get much stranger than singing about opening a soda pop, bop she bop she bop, to dance hall rhymes. <laughs> Did you write that, Lisa? I didn't, but I wish I did. <laughs> but it's true. It's like, you know, this album is so, like you said earlier, there's a lot of weird knee, And this is like one of the strangest moments of her entire career. I would love to hear Britney even, I don't even know if Britney knows she recorded this song. Yeah, I would. I want. I want to hear uh, um, behind the music of just this song. Like, I want to know what her first reaction was when they brought this to her. I want to know what it was like working on it. Like, what notes she was given for like the various versions she was laying down. I I want to know everything. And you're right. I don't know. Like, did she block it out? Like, or right. or one day if Britney does ever want to perform again, like, do we see Soda Pop? Like make even even if it's just an interlude, like do, do we imagine? 
do we get just like a Bob Shabop interlude? Like, cause Brittany is so silly. And that's what I feel like <laughs> that alone must've appealed to her about this song. You know, I will say now that they, that article brought up Finn Fatal, it's like, was this the, was this the, 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 uh, how I roll pre how I roll? I mean, if so, thank you. <laughs> so to pop really, I mean, I know Femme Fatale is a much more complicated work, right. but I did, I did really love it. it at one time. It does have great songs on it. I just hate all of the thinking of what Britney was going through at that time, but me too. It's hard for me to engage that album. Yeah, it's, it's tough, but how I roll is an absurd song that like very yeah like I mean we keep talking about our sister songs episode Troy I think you just identified another song right there I think (laughs) that is wow yeah there's there's a direct through line though you know we go from bop shabop to like nine lives like a kitty cat like (laughs) real easy like it rolls right off the tongue oh my god I'm gonna cry I would like now I'm like can't stop picturing Britney performing this like now like since you said that I'm like just the thought of like the the stage being black and hearing like that guy coming out like on a pole (laughs) Britney performing with this guy that nobody knows I would die (laughs) oh my god I mean again if she ever feels like performing again I really would be curious because we we heard right that there was so much more that she wanted to do with the residencies and there were Mm -hmm. certain songs she wanted to perform or version you know going back to your question about remixes or different arrangements like I would really love to know what of Britney's catalog she feels like has not gotten its due especially if there if there's anything from the earlier stuff or if she feels like that wasn't a time where she was really creatively getting her input and so is it really more later stuff that you know she really focuses on but I would love to know what she feels like from baby one more time isn't properly appreciated or needs to be revisited in some way like she has new ideas about it that would be so fucking fascinating because we did just read that thing about how um during one of the legs of the circus tour she wanted to only perform deep cuts and they all freaked out Maybe like, Soda Pop was one of them. And Larry was like, oh, hell no, you will not. <laughs> and she was like, I will. Like, maybe it was Soda Pop. Maybe that's what this was all about. He saw her reaching for a can of like, Coca-Cola to bring out. He was like, Brittany, no. Well, I mean, that's not to go too dark, but that was for a whole other reason because she wasn't fucking allowed to drink soda. Or oh, yeah, Bull, she literally but, you know. Anyway, oh, sorry, I, I'm not going to go there for the rest of the time. I apologize. No, it's fine. it's fine. Now that it's behind us, it's like, you know, it's it hits different anyway. Right. Um, let's talk about Born to Make You Happy. Mm. Oh, like, <laughs> literally goosebumps. My, I just got a full body chill. Like yeah. this, this is, I would, I don't even, it's very hard for me to like rank Britney songs, but this is one of my favorites from this album. This would rank very high in my top Britney song, like especially Britney singles. I just love this song so much. I think that this is probably the catchiest hook on the entire album. Yes. Yes. Like from the, even from the second she starts, like it just, it starts immediately pulling you in like, oh yes mid-tempo, but like just gets stuck in your head. You cannot not sing along it truly is like intoxicating 
Like you just cannot, like you said, you can't help but sing it. You know it before. I would say the greatest pop songs, even if you've never heard them, you know them by the time they're over. Like, you know, you're yes. singing along, right? That is a real, that is a great measure. And that 100% is born to make you happy. Yeah. This song is like just top tier bubblegum pop, like almost like a, it's almost like a pop, a bubblegum power ballad. Like, yes, yes. Cause it's, it's not, it's not up temp, it's mid tempo, but even it's so, uh, kind of like bittersweet. Like it's a sad song kind of like it, it isn't uplifting really. It's very VH1. I mean, she's, she's literally begging someone to still go out. Like the actual lyrics are not, but even like the, the tone, I mean, even from the beginning, she's pleading at the very top of the song. Like that's how it starts. Yeah, it's very adult contemporary to me. Like, it's very, like, VH1 at 2 p.m. And I mean that Maybe as a Maybe this was where she was trying to introduce Cheryl. Like, this was as oh. close as she could get to Cheryl. Like, right from the Oh My Love at the top, you know? <gasps> like, this was her, like, I can't get her fully in there, but I'm going to get her in there somehow. Lisa. Let me wear my, my long leather skirt that is split down both sides. Like, Cheryl would have worn that skirt. Oh, my God. This is... This is Britney giving Cheryl that you're right. I'm going to choose to see it that way. I love this song so much that I have to make it have all of these meanings. Not that it needs to have any more meanings, but like this song, I feel like is not your average pop song. Like there's a little more to this song. Right. And kind of like Baby One More Time too. Like Baby One More Time is not, it's catchy, but it's not like upbeat, I would say. And like, that's what the, like, this isn't like an upbeat song. Well, but it's also, incredibly catchy. I think it has a lot to do too with Britney's delivery of the song. That's that is a very good point. Because the way she sings this song is like she's like feeling this shit. Like for whatever reason, I don't know what she was going through the day that she recorded this, but like her vocal on this song is like insanely emotional. It's so plaintive and like pleading and like you really feel the weight of her emotion and like she you feel the the how how high the stakes are like she's going to be devastated she was born to make this person happy yeah and if this doesn't work out like it it's this it can't not work out like it has to and I know that there was a lot of there's a lot of controversy surrounding this song um a with its lyrical content with the parents like not loving that it you know yeah maybe not loving hearing their little girls screaming about how they were born to make a man happy like I get it um even though that's not really what it's about but you no know. and it doesn't even need to be like I mean there's a guy in the video but it could be about making anyone happy maybe it's about making yourself happy like right. maybe this is like a journey of self-discovery or something have you ever read the thing about how this video she was supposed to be pregnant no <laughs> what <laughs> this is the most fucked up thing like it who was- the hell was I mean because this video was only released in Europe right am I misremembering that um I don't I don't I don't know how that. widely I don't remember this video I feel like as much like I remember this from later when I like had the access to the internet widely like I don't remember this the way I remember all the other videos from. It was definitely not like it wasn't popular. on TRL every day. 
No. Oh my God. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I wondered, I was like, maybe this wasn't released in the U S or something. Like I, I can, it is iconic to me. Like I remember it now, but more, I feel like a later thing, like not the way that I remember watching all the other ones, like as they were happening. But wait, what? So she, because this came out also in 99. So they were envisioning a 17 year old pregnant. So what was this? Like a teen mom, like Papa Don't Preach situation? Yeah, it was supposed to be like a version of like a Papa Don't Preach. And she was going to be pregnant by the the guy in the video. And um, it's like her saying like, I want to keep this baby. Like it is her version of Papa Don't Preach. And there's actually a scene that they kept in the video because they had to reshoot so much. And that's why the video is so sort of themeless. Makes no, yeah, it makes no sense. One second they're dancing on that stage thing. Then she's like with those like white rocks that people put in the fronts of the yard down the shore. <laughs> like, and she's laying in that like conversation pit. Like those two sets don't go together. She's like in a real world house. <laughs> yes, like literally, like I, I mean, that being said, I would love to take a nap in that conversation pit and like even her like butterfly, like pajama top, whatever is happening there. But whoa. Okay. So like they actually shot parts of that storyline. Yeah. So there's another version of this video that they shot where she, she has like a, a tiny little baby bump. And the only scene from it that they kept was, uh, there's a moment at the very end of the video where she's laying in that conversation pit. And like, I think she's like surrounded by like butterfly imagery or something um and she's holding her stomach um yeah so whoa (laughs) I mean can you imagine I mean I'm not trying I also just want to clarify like I'm not trying to say that teen pregnancy is shocking it's more just Brittany already at this time was being judged for everything she did in teen pregnancy and the conversation around that in the late 90s was such a misogynistic and like terrible and classist and racist conversation like oh my god to put Britney in that conversation unnecessarily yeah like why would that have been a thing like that is wild to me and that's 10 years before teen mom oh my god I mean well hello I mean Britney had a teen mom in her own family Jamie (laughs) Lynn I mean but like that is crazy yeah, it's Whoa. really, really kind of makes me uncomfortable. And it makes me question what was going on at the record label that day where they were spitballing about various ideas yeah. for this video. Like, how did that one get through? Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those moments where you look back and you're like, God, the ways in which this girl has been exploited and not even like known. Like, what is that? Like, what the fuck is that? Like, she why like why would you take like you said this girl who's already being judged for everything and then give her a teen a teen pregnancy storyline and a song that's already so controversial I wonder if they because so this single was released at the end of 99 and so I'm wondering if it was like the label getting like feeding off of their own controversy and they went from like March freaking out because Britney's holding Tinky Winky on the cover of, of Rolling Stone and that is seen as like pushing the gay agenda and they're freaking out and like Jive is like melting down in their PR headquarters and they go from that to this so did they just get like high on their own supply and we're like oh my god like you we're just gonna cook up even more controversies like yeah we've already got like the moms of America or whatever those like ridiculous like 
right-wing conservative organization, evangelical organizations that were like on Britney's case every two seconds at this point, like, did they, were they just trying to like dream up ways to get those people to have meltdowns? I guess that actually probably is exactly why. Like, honestly, Ugh, I think that that but is that's the so answer. unfair to Britney. Like, are you kidding me? She's a real person that would have had to answer questions about this. Like, I know. And you're already oh. marketing, her, by the way, on top of marketing her to be a virgin. Oh my God. Like totally like, oh my God. And again, nothing about teen pregnancy should be shocking. It's just that the tone and tenor of that conversation in the U S at this time was so deeply messed up. Why, yeah. why introduce Brittany into that conversation? I'm going to read. I have a couple quotes from this one too. This one, the first one is actually from Brittany directly. Okay. Um, this will get you even more fired up after what oh we just boy. talked about. All right. <laughs> she said, um, I asked them to change the words to Born to Make You Happy because it was a very sexual song, she revealed. I said, this may be a little old for me because of the image thing. I don't want to go over the top. If I came, if I come out being Miss Prima Donna, uh, that wouldn't be smart. I want to have a place to grow. So like, I mean, you, I don't even know what the original Brittany doing are. their fucking job for them. Why did she have to tell them this? <laughs> Like if the the release of the song was I was born to make you happy, can you imagine what the sexual version was? I oh my god. Like, whoa. Like, yeah, like that's I don't even I never want to know. Listen, no, don't actually, ever tell yeah, us. Uh, don't ruin it because like I love this song and I, I don't want this to become like a disturbing because I I know what you're saying about like why this was controversial of, of the lyrics as they exist now but like to me I didn't like read into it that way like mm -mm. but I but also I was you know the prime audience as were you that this was being marketed <laughs> towards of course I wasn't getting the nuance all the things that I knew about romantic relationships at that age like but anyway but like no I can only imagine and that is so wild that Britney would have to be the one being like uh yeah, I don't know if this is, this is it. I think we got to tweak this. I love that she said, like, I don't want to come out being Miss Prima Donna. <laughs> I love that. Oh, and to know that she needed room to grow, like that strategy also yeah. of like the label, like what, where, what, where were you going to go from there? With, right. Cause like, look at Christina. Like, I mean, I know you had your whole Christina uh, era of, <laughs> of the podcast, like, but like Christina, if you go to a place, that it doesn't feel like there's a lot more to do after that in terms of like shock value mm -hmm. or having a sexual image or whatever it is or even sensual image I would say for Britney because like it wasn't there yet like so where would you envision it going from there if you feel like you always need to be doing something else to top it to get people to still be talking where would you go from there no yeah totally there would be absolutely nowhere to go it's like well the whole and, and at thing. 17 at 17 or well I mean 15 really when she's recording these yeah Ooh. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna end on uh I'm gonna end on a semi-happier note this is yes uh, okay a quote from Alex McPherson from The Guardian she said it's one of the best examples of Spears's distressing vulnerability as well as her best song a determined eraser of the uh autonomous self Born to Make You Happy is horrifying as text and irresistible as pop. And the two are inextricable. And I love that. Horrifying Oh, as I text. really like that. That's great. That's a great quote. 
Cause you're still acknowledging, cause there is something unsettling about this song, but like, I like that it's unsettling, yeah. but there is something like, this isn't like, everything's good. We're all great. We're all happy. Yeah. It's more of a, please don't leave me. I'm begging yeah. you not to leave. And like very emotionally for like fraught and or distraught really is a better word I think like so yeah that but that's a really good way to describe it because I think it can be both those things that like you said it's I think it's an excellent excellent pop song but also can have that other element that is you know all all is not quite right here totally um well I'm glad that we got over that hump that's the most controversial (laughs) hump I think yeah uh let's talk about from the bottom of my broken heart okay (laughs) <laughs> do, you, do you not like this is this the one so this is where my controversy is gonna come in oh cool we, we okay. did a whole episode about like our favorite videos or whatever I don't like the song that much I don't like the video I don't like hate them like there's nothing I can never hate anything from this album but to me this is the one that it's just I, this is the one I could I can skip and I do like it's it just doesn't it doesn't speak to me in the same way that almost every other song on this album does Wow. Okay. So I, ironically, I wrote my first, my first thought was for me, this song doesn't hold a candle to many of the other songs in this album, especially Born to Make You Happy. I don't think it's a strong single. For me, this has always been a song that you listen to just for the vocal performance. And again, I think that they released this song as another, for the parents, another like, all right, let's bring it down a little bit. Let's calm the fuck down Miss Spears. This was another, this was a song for the parents. Okay. So first of all, I'm very relieved that you are pretty much on the same page. Yeah. Some people, I don't want to like, cause I, I hate nothing more than when I love something then people are like, I hate it. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, like I, and again, I don't hate this song, but like it, it just isn't but even what you just said is so interesting because looking at the dates of when these were released, these were released, Born to Make You Happy and From the Bottom of My Broken Heart were released eight days apart. Whoa. What, what is the thinking with that? Except like you said, that there was some sort of, I don't know if they didn't anticipate the Born to Make You Happy controversy or did because Drive Me Crazy is single three, which feels a little more like the pop, like, woo. And then Born to Make You Happy seems like, okay, we're chilling things out. But oh, wait, no, we're not because everyone thinks we're like, right, you know, having our daughters become child brides or whatever and like have, you know, no autonomy in their lives or whatever. So I, I, obviously they didn't do it on a whim, but I do wonder what was the thinking to have these released back to back in this way and is that why I don't remember the born to make you happy video at all if it ever was really widely around because the, from the bottom of my broken heart video was all over the place they oh my god you are so fucking right they must have made the decision to release the more wholesome single or um ballad uh the the unapologetically wholesome ballad and the really just over the top wholesome video i mean it's like it, it makes Seventh Heaven look like a fucking, like, X-rated porn. I mean, it's like... Totally. I mean, the the even the house. I mean, it re- kind of reminds me of almost, like, this was, like, the, uh, like, set, like, location um, finders for, like, Crossroads or something. Because, like, it feels like... Yeah. It's, like, the, like, audition tape for, like, the Lucy character or something. Like, it's just, like, <laughs> I don't know. It is. I don't know, but not in a good way. And I love Crossroads. So that is not an insult to Crossroads, but like, yeah, this. Mm. 
and it is it's a beautiful vocal performance for sure I mean yes. you know we can't deny that um her her delivery of the lyrics is really great very emotional um you know she really does a good job selling the song and you know I <clears throat> I know that there are a lot of people who do love this song and I, I understand why and I think it's because of her like this song is not reinventing the wheel it's it doesn't sound like a song that it, it just kind of sounds like a a classic sort of pop ballad that would come out during this time but it's her delivery of the song that I think makes it as special as it is I do agree with you there because I think that the one thing that I can appreciate about the song is in her delivery it's like you're hearing her side of a two-sided conversation for Mm. a lot of it and like so that I do find kind of compelling and that's really because of Britney like I don't think that's the lyrics are not particularly profound there's nothing too crazy happening in the video but I do think like you're getting her like conversation with someone or her like retelling of the conversation and there is a lot of emotion that she's bringing to these lyrics damn you blew my mind with the them releasing this you know it's like like I'm just looking this what happens when I look at Wikipedia for hours which like sometimes I do just look at Wikipedia for but I have it pulled up right now and I'm looking at the list of singles and that is really strange it's I think it has to be directly response I mean it's a, a direct response to the controversy like that is so crazy to me like that's like really showing your cards you know totally yeah it's I I don't know like I mean clearly they had the label had a direction that they wanted to be steering her in Mm -hmm. and from the bottom of my broken heart being the last single we get from this album being the last video where we're seeing her like that's the direction they wanted to end on yeah the same I'm sure very yeah a safe direction a wholesome direction in a very calculated way because she was already about to be working on oops right and like it's so they just, already knew what was coming next and where they were going to be shifting things oh you're right they already knew that they were going to sex it up that is so crazy and like yeah again the con the contrast between this song being the end of this chapter and oops being the beginning of a new chapter like is just so Britney's marketing team well because also like the we I will never get over this like we've talked about this at length about so like you know oops I I know you know but like oops was recorded in like a week or something Mm -hmm. like and it was recorded while she was still like she just had finished the baby one more time tour so like in between so like oops is being recorded in between crazy coming out as a single and then born to make you happy and from the bottom of my broken heart coming out so like by the time from the bottom of my broken hearts coming out oops is like probably almost like they're working on like editing it and stuff because she recorded oops so so fast so they definitely already knew the direction they were going uh, in that's really crazy that's a really insane thing to look back on well it just shows again like how much of this was the you know the label really trying to manipulate as much as possible her public persona or the her public perception I guess is a better way to say it so that they could so that it would feel more uh drastic I guess mm-hmm. when these changes were happening yeah and it's really you know looking back especially during this time specifically like baby one more time and going into oops like Britney was such a workhorse 
And, you know, now it's like, generally we know so much more about the music industry and the way like young people are treated and the way that they just sort of like own you and they own your image and all of those things. And it's really sad. You know, Britney was such a workhorse and she was so determined and so like in it, you know, she was willing to do whatever because she believed in it just as much as everybody around her. And I don't know, it's just sad. Like, it's just sad to think like how much more simple and enjoyable her career could have been had they just allowed things to play out naturally. Like the manipulation of it all was so unnecessary and it didn't really do anything to benefit her. Totally, because it just made the public feel so much of an ownership in terms of having this public discussion at all times about her behavior and like the rightness or wrongness of her behavior, the appropriateness of her behavior and the ownership that the media and the public felt about talking about, about her, about her body, about her behavior, or some of it, like, again, like some of this isn't even like anything she was actually doing at this point. Cause this isn't really like, we're not seeing paparazzi pictures of Britney in 1999 like we're we're only seeing Britney at really specific times so mm. when we're seeing her it's in a really controlled environment the way the label wants her to be seen a lot of the time so so much of that like everyone's reaction is not to the real Britney it's to this creation right. of, of the labels making and yeah for it to be for them to be driving the pendulum swing so much I guess is really frustrating to see just because then the pendulum swings became more and more extreme to the detriment of Britney, the real person. And that's yeah. like, we, that is how you get to 2007. Yeah. And it's like, you or said even earlier, earlier than that, the KFET 2005 and six, like all that stuff. Like that's how you get there is because it was already happening here where it was like this back and forth of like people saying, you know, feeling like they can say whatever they want about her. Totally. And I feel like, you know, you have, you guys have covered this on Epre Britney and I've talked about this a lot, but it's like, you know, it's it's her that has to deal with this. Like you just said, it's her more than most pop stars. It's her that was always out there alone, answering these questions, responding to this stuff, answering inappropriate questions during press conferences, and not having somebody lean over in front of the mic and say she's not answering that. Britney never had that. They just yeah. sort of they sort of relied on the fact that she was so good at presenting and she was so good at facing the public that they just sort of like left it up to her and like that's just so fucked up it really is and it's really it's just it's so unfair to her I guess like especially like you said how different her career would have been like if she'd been given the time in the space to do so like there was no need to have this hamster wheel level of you know that she's getting six days off when the baby one more time tour ends and then has to record oops in like a week period and then is still releasing singles and recording videos and doing all of this stuff for baby one more time and just the whole thing like people still would have remembered Britney if she was given more than six days off to record the album or there was a little more space in between like did did we have to release two singles in eight days probably not but you could have released one of those like a couple months later and kept this going longer yeah there's a real sense of like we don't know how long this thing's gonna last let's just ride it until the wheels fall off totally 
and and it didn't take very long for the strain to already start because Brittany already was feeling such pressure during the oops tour mm-hmm. and, and dealing with anxiety and and all of that so like you know yeah I mean <laughs> well let's talk about um let's talk about I will be there all right yeah talk about a vocal performance this is one I don't think gets enough credit not at all nobody ever talks about I will be there this is a good song. Like it's it's not my favorite of the album, but like this is not a skip for me. Mm-mm, it's great. And, and she she sounds excellent on this song. She really sounds great. You know, I was always surprised that this song wasn't used um on more soundtracks or television shows. It sounds like it was written to be on TV. Yes, it does, especially this time in TV. Mm-hmm. Like you're right, or in movie, like this easily could have made its way into a teen movie. Yeah, and I want to know why it didn't. <laughs> like yeah. a, a montage where, like, like a teen rom com or something. Like, why is this not playing? Where, like, I don't know, people are like trying on clothes or something, or like out on a date and like furtively looking down and then looking up while drinking milkshakes. Like, yes, I can, yes. I can see it. Like, where, where is the song? How did it not get in there? I can totally see it. I can see it in the, you know, the background of a movie trailer. Like it's very, it's like very ready for that moment. Um, I used to also, I used to love seeing her perform this song live. It always reminds me of that Arthur Ashe uh, tennis court performance where she's wearing like the little yellow tennis outfit and she's got the giant tennis ball. The giant tennis ball. (laughs) Yes. She's wearing little reading, little bifocals. <laughs> oh my God. I love those little, I don't know, Britney's spectacles. I don't know what to call those. I love those. Ah, they literally, she literally is wearing readers. <laughs> like for no, for no vision, reason, just a fashion vision. It's just a look. I know that she was like selling readers at the time. Maybe they were Britney Spears readers. I mean, I think that's interesting given that her fan base unless they had like you know near were near farsighted did not need them for like reading glasses uh given our ages but interesting tie-in uh (laughs) oh my god that was really funny but no yeah I, I love this fucking song it's just it's it's just fun it's just unapologetic fun you're not gonna remember this song until you know it's not like gonna be on any countdown list or anything like that it's Again, it's not reinventing the wheel. It's just a fun, like very catchy pop song that makes you feel so good. The the chorus is so uplifting. Like it yeah. just yeah, it, this is a real feel good song. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's just I can't now I can't stop picturing Britney and her readers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I picture Brittany and her readers reading the lyrics like in the booth like she's got like <laughs> the headphones on and her little her little spectacles on oh my god the tiniest eensy beansy little lens like truly the so size little of like not I mean thank god those tennis balls were so large so she wouldn't <laughs> be able to miss them because her glasses were not going to assist her in seeing anything <laughs> yeah and her the live version of this song she she always um she always hits the belt at the end. And I love that belt where like where she screams at the end of the song. Yes. This is this is one again vocally. I feel like she doesn't get enough credit for it. And this is a really fun one to sing along to. To your point before, I don't think there's really a song that's not fun to sing along to, but this is one that really feels feels good, especially when like it picks up and gets into the choruses. Right. 
Yeah, I don't have a ton more to add. It is it is a filler song. I mean, it's unapologetically filler, but it's filler great. song, but underrated at the same time. If it can be both of those things, absolutely, one thousand percent. Um. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's talk about I will still love you. <laughs> I mean, just off the bat, so I don't I don't like hate the song. I don't I don't like mind it, but it is weird that just like the track listing that they did. I will be there, and then I will still love you. Like you right. couldn't move it around like even a little bit. Like it's just <laughs> right. it's just strange. It's just strange. That's my first. That's my first thing. I... You're laugh. You're laughing. So I feel like you got you got some some juice on this one. No, I just feel like you hear people oftentimes when they talk about like how this song, this album has weird songs. They'll bring up obviously, you know, email my heart and stuff. Um, but I think like you know having an extremely '90s power ballad between Britney and some guy that the label obviously tried to make a thing, but he never became a thing. It just feels very strange and I don't know, it feels very similar to Britney, like reluctantly having to introduce the Backstreet Boys and some of the versions of Baby One More Time, like against her will. It's just like, they were like, oh, you know, you have to sing with this guy, Don Johnson, because he's going to have, he's going to have a career as well. I just don't, I don't, I don't know, I just kind of don't get it. Yeah, I do wonder like what, so, because like this to me, like, I think it's pretty easy most of the time where you can tell the Eric Foster white songs versus the Sweden ones. And Mm -hmm. like, this is one where I feel like it's really obvious. Like, and like you said before, like he was working on this for the label, like before she went to Sweden. Like, so this is when things were coming together. So I don't know if like what, what the deal, like, yeah. Like was Don Phillips supposed to be like an up and coming person? Like, why did they feel that this (laughs) needed to be a duet? Like, Sorry, I didn't mean to call him Don Johnson. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I didn't even really, it didn't register. I'm reading, I'm still reading Wikipedia. But no, oh yeah, yeah, not not Dakota's dad. No, and... no. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it's just, it's, it just feels like, I just, I don't get the vibe that Britney chose this song. You know what I mean? Like, it, it obviously she didn't really get a lot of decision making opportunities, but um, this one in particular just feels very like, I don't know. I'm just like, you gave this song to like a little, like a young girl. I mean, do you think they just thought it was supposed to, like, this would be like a good vocal showcase? Cause she does sound good on this song. Like, so yeah. is that what it is? Is that they, they were like, cause this feels like, um, you know, you said before that it's so perfect, like that, you know, this was like Broadway Britney, like with the belting, like this feels like something that would be on like a star search or something. So like, is that what they were trying to like hearken back to or like, that they they felt like they needed some sort of like a duet would be a way to have a vocal showcase like I don't because this could be a good song without it could just be Britney singing yeah I know not to be mean to Don Phillip he has a a nice voice but like I don't I'm just confused about like because also like he Britney was up and coming so it's not like it's going to raise his profile necessarily to like they didn't know what was going to happen if this album was even going to be a thing but like the decision, I guess, because Britney wasn't big enough yet that it wasn't her duetting with someone more well-known or established, like, I, mean, I don't I know. When you put it that way, it that does make a lot of sense. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking of Britney singing, love can be 
and breathe. She does love that's songs exactly, like this. That's exactly <laughs> what I, it makes me think of, you know, like, because yeah, yeah. this is very, like, it feels like a singing competition, which speaking <laughs> of singing competitions, that whole thing with Don Phillip on X Factor, oh my which was, God. like, so strange that, like, they actually had, like, way more of an interaction, but then it was, like, edited down and everything, and, mm-hmm. like, that that's so such a weird like I don't know it felt very exploitive on both ends um right like it didn't feel good for either of that like when I I I felt uncomfortable for both of them that's the best way to put it because it was like this poor guy I mean and he's on stage like having to kind of like remind her that they had a thing together and she's like and in the way that she I'll never forget her saying like we used to record together there was just something about her saying it like that. Like you were just like a person that they used to put in the recording booth with me. It's like, very like you're a coworker or something. Like it sounds very detached, which again, like, I don't know his age, but like, I'm guessing he wasn't 15. So like, I don't right. know, like, I don't know. Cause I guess there was like a part that was cut where he was talking about how like he was openly gay, I think at the time. And mm-hmm. he didn't know if Brittany was uncomfortable with that or something. And so they had an interaction about that apparently, but then that didn't make the episode. So in the episode, he seems like way more emotional about what they're talking about, but they actually were talking about like a deeper thing that didn't make it into the episode. So again, like yeah. that feels very exploitive because like in the episode, it comes off as like, Brittany seems uncomfortable. He seems really like very, very emotional and and like like that is maybe making her uncomfortable or like right. he's somehow like upset in some way, like a weird, a weird chapter or like end note to the song, I guess, that I don't really understand why that whole thing happened. Yeah, and I, I do, I guess just want to say I agree with you that this she sounds so incredible, especially during like the breakdown when like the Time will take us apart, whatever that's true. But I that's my favorite. That's my favorite part of the song. It's really beautiful. Cause like, she's like on, like, that's a pretty like long verse to yeah. keep at that pace. And she really like, I mean, they're matching each other, but like she sounds great. Yeah. I remember when I was little, I used to I loved singing this song because it felt like I was like, like it feels like you're singing a duet with her, you know? totally totally and again that's why like not to be mean to him but I feel like this could have just been a Britney song totally it's like there's nothing about this that I wonder was this written as a duet I'm guessing not so again lots of questions about why the record label felt like this needed to become a duet but I do feel like they didn't put her in this direction later but I wonder was this at a point in recording where like they were going to try to go for more of a vocalist direction for Britney because obviously duets are essential if you're going to be a vocalist so is that what they thought that they were going to be going for and so that's why this happened they're like she's dying to sing a fucking power ballad a real one we gotta make her a power ballad and so she grew up singing at, at people's weddings in the south yeah, like I don't, but yeah, I, I, this is one, like, don't hate it, but don't, this would rank right, like, from the bottom of my broken heart would definitely be my <laughs> least favorite. And th- this would be probably next. But I, yeah. I definitely like this a lot better than from the bottom of my broken heart, just because of Britney's vocal performance on it. Well, let's talk about a song that I truly just absolutely adore live laugh love all the way home 
what does that even mean? Uh, thinking it, about you. Whatever it means, it's how I feel about this too, Troy. So I'm so glad that you love this song too. Oh my God. This is like, I really, truly, I, this is an album, this is a standout for me. I, not only does Britney sound incredible because she's singing in, I think the deepest register she's ever like recorded. Um, but it's just one of the most fun to sing pop songs I've ever heard. Even just saying, like thinking about you, like just the way that her phrasing yeah. is for the court, like this, this to me could have been a single. Yeah, totally. Like this is a missed opportunity that actually this to me could have been maybe not an intro single. Cause again, I just can't picture a world where we're not introduced to Britney through baby one more time mm-hmm. and like how like earth shattering different that what but like this this is so wild that this wasn't a single yeah you're so right about the delivery of thinking about you the way she says it's it. so fun to say it because like that is not how a southern person would say and that's not how I that's not how you would say thinking right thinking, thinking about thinking about, about. Thinking about. <laughs> like it's so good can I can I tell you a story about this song that yeah. so they had a contest for you to win tickets to see Britney at the New York State Fair in 1999. And I choreographed an entire like dance routine to this song, oh lip syncing the words, picked out a whole outfit at limited to went to Claire's to get my accessories. And then it was like some radio station was hosting at like one of the local malls. And then they hadn't specified that they were only actually going to be picking a few people to like do it. And I'm sure it was all like you know, older teenagers, like, cause I was not a teen yet. Like, right. so I'm sure they picked very, so my mom on my behalf was very upset that I put all this work into it, like wrote the, the radio station to like stand up for me. Cause we got there and they're like, oh yeah, we already did the contest. Like it's over. And so my big, mm. my big break, <laughs> but I still like, I can't not, I don't even remember, God knows what these, these moves were that I was doing, but I still just feel this song and I'm like, oh, oh God, like, that is something chapter one of your book right no that's like that's an origin story for something I don't know yeah. if that's like a Marvel villain or what <laughs> what happens after that but this this song is a perfect it's it's such a perfect like catchy upbeat pop song the the like for like the opening of your fe- feature film about your life starts with you like like putting your outfit together for this performance right putting my I had these um <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but there were those like clips they sold at Claire's that they weren't butterfly clips, but they were like um, in different shapes. And I, I got these flower ones because this was like, this was a very bold outfit. This was all primary colors. So like limited to and Claire's like think of the offerings in 1999 at both of those establishments. (laughs) And so I was, I had my hair, like had like I had like two braids and then I had these like flower, like they were like super small, like half an inch big, these flower like clips that were like clipped into my hair. Like it was, to say it was a look doesn't even describe it. Um, obviously this radio station was just too intimidated to have me like yeah, they're perform. Like, <laughs> they were like, this this girl is, you know, on a different level. They're um, like, she needs a record deal, not like <laughs> like tickets to a show. Right, exactly. <laughs> but no, anyway, this, this side, because of my deep uh, pre- preparation, for my performance, I feel like I really got to know this song inside and out. And it just made me even more appreciative of all of the merits of this song. Yeah, this is one of those songs where um, the, I won't say that the, that it's the background vocals are better or whatever. Cause like, it's, she's so good. Like 
the whole way through, but it's really fun to sing what's going on in the background when she's doing all that like riffing. And I mean, there's a lot of like, you know, when she's doing like the, the baby, like all of that, like just added ad lib stuff. Like it's just so fun, especially at the end when she starts like going nuts, she's screaming with you. Oh my <laughs> so god! Her her pronunciation of nights when oh. she does the like the nuts—it's so mm. good. Oh my god! It's, <laughs> this song is again like not not as stupid as Soda Pop, but like still a little silly. Not mm. like quite into weirdy territory, but like it's a little it's a little silly. But like her vocals are really good on this song. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's definitely silly for sure. It's silly and fun, um, and yeah, and she just she sounds incredible. I'm sad that this this song never got, even if it wasn't a single. I'm sad that it because you know there are certain songs in Britney's catalog that weren't technically singles, but they sort of live in the background of a lot of like documentaries and specials, and um, you know, like Boom Boom is a good example of like wasn't a single, but like is always featured on stuff, right? Yes, yeah. I'm sad that this song never had that kind of moment. Because even the intro, just the music, like there's something there that I feel like it it is surprising this didn't take off. I'm reading the lyrics right now and I guess I've, although I've sang the song out loud hundreds of times, (laughs) this is, this is pretty adult actually. Um, like there's a lot, like the, the nights that she spends without this person are longer than the last and there's a Mm. lot about nights like I guess I didn't pick up on that before and maybe just because of the tempo and the like it's it born to make you happy not that it's sultry because I don't think it is and if people are assigning that to it they're putting something on it that's not there but that does feel a little more adult whereas this feels more youthful that but actually I feel like the lyrics could be a little more grown up than I was understanding you know, at, at the time kind of going through it on my head I'm like yeah this is real there's a lot about spending nights thinking about this person and how long nights are when they're not with the person but right. like why would you be spending nights with someone you're 15 recording this song maybe I don't know because there's all those rumors about what was going on in Kentwood but like this is weird. <laughs> right. like yeah Brittany's got her own apartment in her bedroom yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> I mean Troy I just have to say I, I get, like even though you know we're we're moving into a new era of Brittany's life thank god but like you you nailed Lynn and we are our contrast stitching queen we did not have that (laughs) totally right like we really missed the ball on that we dropped the ball we missed the boat whatever the hell you say we we really did not get that one right well I was no better because I was a true coward and I never really like I waited until I went on you guys's podcast to really discuss my feelings about it because I was scared because I know how many people so I I don't think I ever really projected it as much as I probably wanted to that I've always despised her you Um, you had yeah you had her number much more than we did but anyway (laughs) going back to this song this is one to me could have been a single doesn't get enough credit would love to know if Britney likes this song or not I bet she likes it I bet this is one of the songs that if she was to, to choose a bunch of deep cuts from um from this album I bet this would be one of them and I have another one that I'll tell you at the end oh my god thank god okay but yeah no I guess I mean she sounds like she's having fun singing it and it's fun to listen to her sing it so I hope that she enjoyed making it and also before we move on to the iconic emo my heart I also just want to say buckle up that's all I have to say (laughs) just to add to what we talked about earlier it's like to anybody who thinks that this album is like 
Britney singing in a baby voice. Like, sing these songs. I'm, I'm in my full deep red. Now, now that's not saying a lot because my deep register is like literally <laughs> like a, a baby girl has a deeper register than me. <laughs> but like, I mean, she's singing in a really, really deep register um, during like, you know, the intro and stuff of this song. Totally. She's really singing from like her like chest. Regi- like this is not, I, I really, you're right. When people are thinking of, like the baby one more time voice Mm -hmm. that is not the same voice she's using to sing thinking about you no not at all she gets like I really have to take a couple gulps of water before I before you're gonna go on that (laughs) journey with her yeah Yeah, totally no I mean she she sounds amazing on this song and this is one like you said it's not just her main vocal it's all the stuff in the background it's all of the backing vocals it's all of the stuff that she's doing at the end all the run like it, she really sounds amazing. Well, let's talk about the, the, uh, I don't even know what you would call it. I mean, it's iconic. A masterpiece? It's, it's a masterpiece. It's confusing. It's, you know, now it's like a think piece. Email my heart. Tell me everything. Okay. So obviously I could talk forever and I don't want to talk your ear off. I love this song so much. This is one where it is a little hard when people start making fun of it because I do sincerely love this song. And I like, I sometimes think this is my favorite Britney Spears song of all time. Like that's (laughs) how much I love this song. Like, and I just feel like if this song did not have the word email and not just email, but email with a hyphen, which is showing you what era of email we were in, (laughs) that they felt like a hyphen was needed for grammatical correctness, if this did not have email in the title and in the lyrics, and it was like return my heart or something else, this song would be considered in a totally different way. This is actually a very beautiful song. Yes. And her vocal performance is excellent. And to just go there too, about that. It's everyone's been doing those emails. She's describing what I think everyone has experienced in the digital, the modern digital age. Like she's describing ghosting. Like before, like I'm Brittany invented digital communications as we know it today is what I'm trying to tell you. Like talk about think pieces, like she's describing something that like everyone's making fun of in the song, but like everyone has been ghosted through text or dating app or online or whatever. Like, and she just was way ahead of the curve. Like Al Gore invented the internet, whatever, but like Brittany brought it to how we're using it today. You just fucking exploded my brain open by saying that she invented ghosting. That's that is what this is but about. But that's what this is about, and everyone's making fun of it. That is ghosting is a horrible feeling. It's true. So it, yeah, yeah, it's a joke, but like this song, I feel like has some real like pathos behind it. And you're right, like this is a beautiful. I mean, this song is literally gorgeous. And I will say this was like as a kid, easily. And one of my favorite songs to sing from the album, I never, ever skipped Email My Heart because it's so gorgeous and it's so like, I mean, she really like digs into her Tony Braxton bag in this one. Like, Oh my God. When she gives that, what to say, what to say, what to say, yes. full fucking, I'm like deep crooner. I'm like, oh my God, like it's so good even that it starts right off the top and similar to another song that, you know, we'll talk about that starts with a vocal instead of like that. We're starting with the forever 
email my heart. Like oh. what a way to, to start a song. And like, again, because immediately the second word she's saying is email, everyone's like, ha ha ha. But like, this song is amazing. And she, even that, like you're immediately pulled in. It's true. She's really telling like, a, it, it, there's a story being told. Coming and... on the line. And then they're literally having a backing vocal on the line. Like you're stupid if you think that right. that is not genius like I am sorry but I just don't like and everyone's like oh like stop playing but like I really am not kidding like I I am being completely sincere in my love of this song I mean you are right and the only literally the only reason people make fun of it is because it it, it has the word email in it because nobody ever writes think pieces about digital digital get down oh my god I mean come on I the staying power that that song does not have. But I mean, (laughs) it was quite catchy though. Like not going to lie, but you're right. I mean, it just feels like this, this is one of those songs that I feel like people hold up as the reason that this album is not to be taken seriously. And Mm -hmm. it bothers me both because I think that the album deserves more credit than it gets, but the song does too. Like that, this is what they think. And not that again, not, we already spent quite a lot of time in soda pop, but like, if you're going to hold anything up, it would be like that, like a soda pop, like email my heart is your reason of like, why this is like a silly album that to not be taken seriously but now I feel like children should be like the way that you have to listen to like you know uh primary narratives and like first person narrative like email my heart should be taught to like gen z and alpha generation children to teach them in the olden times like how people were communicating like this is a primary text here people like (laughs) study it study it for the (laughs) cultural document that it is it's true. And it honestly, at least it, it, you know, in comparison to like a digital, digital get down, at least this is like very grounded in a real reality. I mean, this is a very sort of grounded song. It's not like, you know, it's not bouncing off from satellite to satellite. <laughs> like, it's not that. It's well, and just- all the noises, like there aren't gimmicks to this song, except right. that it's about email. Yeah, there's there are no gimmicks. It truly is just a song about her waiting for this guy to email her back. Like, um that's true that's a really good point I mean her pleading for this person to like open the letter I love that she's calling the email a letter like just I I really love this song so much it's it's kind of insane but like the, the you really again like yes it might seem silly but like her the emotion that she's adding to this she is able to imbue things that could be frivolous or silly with a deeper level of emotion and I feel like you're getting that here I actually wrote down a quote from Eric Foster White um, who wrote the song and came up with the concept and he said as a concept the song was meant to be an update to a succession of songs like please Mr. Postman and dial my heart that tied popular forms of communication with a love interest Anything, quote, not done before is almost automatically a hit candidate. Of course, most of them are not hits. And now we are drowning in hundreds of songs about texting and social media, um, which is true. I mean, there's a million, it's just, it's the word email. You're right, because there's a million songs about texting, page me back, like hit me up on my, my cell, all of those things. And this song specifically, because it mentions the word email is for whatever reason, seen differently. I mean, I really wonder if it didn't have the hyphen and email, if we're even getting somewhere then, because it just feels so old fashioned that like they're using Mm -hmm. the way that like we were told email was spelled 
in the 90s when like email was like did we even get emails like uh, unclear like because this is like kind of before aim yeah you know so like we can't even get into that conversation because then like I feel like this would have been like I am my heart well it's also I, I one thing that I will say about it is like as far as just the email goes I was reading about how when this song came out there was something about it that like email was not new in itself but it wasn't like a a a form of communication that was becoming more popular but like email had existed for a few years so when it came out there was sort of a feeling of it feeling like dated even upon its release which I guess I kind of understand I guess I could see that but I feel like I it depends on your age because I feel like were you sending a lot of emails in 1999 Troy like I don't think I was like I I feel like I used I guess I don't even remember when I first started sending emails but like I feel like AIM was really our formative like digital communication thing Oh, for sure. Email to me was for like business people. Yeah, for it was for like work. Like yeah. I was like 11. Like I didn't have a job. Yeah. Like who was <laughs> I emailing? Like right. my fifth grade teacher? Like no. Like so yeah, maybe okay, I can kind of see that, but again, I also don't know. I don't know because this it does feel I guess I could see that like I don't know how old Eric Foster White was when he wrote this but it does feel a little bit about like kids these days and we got to write a song about <laughs> what kids these days are doing and then it turns into like a how do you do fellow kids thing <laughs> yeah. where like we're not we're not conveying like this is not how kids actually do things these days but like I don't know I just again like but I do feel like in the recent uh popularization of Britney with like Gen Z people I feel like email my heart is growing in popularity because it is such a time capsule Mm -hmm. and I feel like younger people are maybe will give this song more of a chance than the actual millennials did I agree it's very like looking at video clips of Katie Couric on the Today Show saying what is the internet like it's very that oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but no it's it's I mean I'll never if it pops up on my shuffle I may turn it down because I'm like embarrassed of my neighbors hearing me belt it with such oh my neighbors must think I mean I'm sure they make a lot of things about me (laughs) this is one they're probably like so help me god if I never hear that goddamn song again I will listen to this on repeat sometimes like truly I really think this might be my favorite Britney song of all time and I again I know that says a lot about me but like I really don't care actually can I tell you just like really quickly of an experience I had as a teen like a tween um when the when oops I did it again it come out I lived in an apartment building where like the the walls were like kind of thin and um to circle back I had gotten my first boom box so I was just when I tell you that I was you were a living life (laughs) like I was shaking the fucking earth with this boom box mega bass turned all the way up whatever that even means and I had this neighbor once who like had finally lost it and he put his mouth I'll never forget this I'm getting goosebumps talking about it he put his mouth up against like our shared wall and he goes he started scream mocking oops I did it again (gasps) oh my god because he heard me singing the whole time like (gasps) oh my god Troy oh really registered I want to like give you a hug through zoom I oh I hate 
I hate this right now. Yeah. Like I plummeted oh. to the floor. Probably. Oh, I'm having like a visceral. Yeah. Like, oh, feeling. Yeah. Bad. He's like, oops, I did it again. Oh, what a fucking <laughs> asshole. I was like, oh my God. I like politely Ew. turn my boom box off and take <gasps> off my like scarves that I'm wearing. Oh. Anyway. Oh uh, my God. People <laughs> are such haters. Like. I know. Just, ugh. Let a preteen enjoy his Christmas present. Right? Like what the hell? <laughs> Why can't people just like things well let's finish up this by talking about a song that I actually very much enjoy I am anxious to hear your thoughts the beat goes on I love it I love it thank I you think this is an amazing cover I'm really surprised when people don't uh don't like this or get really annoyed and again I think because like obviously now the versions of baby one more time that are like available on streaming or stuff like that they don't end with the beat goes on right because they have deep in my heart was not released on the North American version autumn goodbye which oh my god um it was not really so usually like autumn goodbye might be the last one or however it's however it's listed the beat goes on is usually not the last one anymore but in my head this is what it ends with agreed and, and it's such, to me, it's such a fitting end. And I feel, I mean, Brittany's done many great covers over the course of her career, but I feel like she really kicked things off in the cover department very well. And Cher, I mean, has t- spoken about this cover. I mean, it's, I think it's a very good cover. That's why I'm choosing this week to sort of, to end it with this song, because to me, this is the natural end of this album. It, it only works as an album ender to me. And I just think, it's a really, I think it's really interesting. And I think for it to be as old as it is, it's weirdly timeless. Like the production of this song feels very, like it could come out today. I, I honestly feel that way. I totally agree. I think they did a very, well, there are definitely other parts, most parts of this album in a good way. I think most of the time that it's very of its time in very late nineties obviously the original of this is from the 60s and I think they did a really good job merging the 60s and the 90s in a way that you're right I I feel like this could be Ariana or someone could be doing this today with very little difference in the arrangement of it like it doesn't feel super even kitschy because like it is kind of a kitschier song like Mm -hmm. I don't even the whole thing with like you know that it's going from uh speaker to speaker like because when this starts off like I'm sure you had this experience the first time you listened to like I didn't realize there was another song because it fades in right and then it's doing that thing of going like from speaker so the first time you hear it you're like wait there's another song like obviously I could have just looked on the back of my cassette for the track listing but you know I was in the moment but like I feel like the way that this kind of goes in and out is like a really interesting choice it's really cool. I mean, it's experimental in a way that honestly reminds me a lot of, I don't know why I keep bringing it up, but like, it sounds like it could be on Femme Fatale, to be honest with you. Like, totally, totally. gives me that vibe, like Will I Am would do some weird shit to this. And <clears throat> I also think that they really did a good job of like, you know, making it a Britney song. It really sounds, even though it's a remake, it really feels like a Britney song. It feels signature Britney. Yeah, there's nothing about this that feels out of place on the album or for like this is this is very age appropriate. I feel like actually like this was a really mm. great song for her to be singing as it like I don't feel like this is you know, content wise, but even like it's a really interesting sound for her and the vocals on this like this is a really great vocal performance from yes. Britney. We're oh, getting once oh. again the very deep register 
and like it's it's like you said kind of experimental with like a lot of the kind of fluctuating noises and stuff that you're hearing in the background and things that are kind of fading in and out and the way that her vocal works with all of that is really powerful to me like she sounds really great yeah, and I I always loved watching her do this live. I love the um the Hawaii version of this where she's that like that is wearing, my favorite. It's so cool. Like she's wearing like the the like the like warp, the strange world top hat. <laughs> and like it's just fun. Like, and she her voice always sounded really cool singing this because it's so this is so naturally her register, this song. Um, it's so easy for her to kind of play around with notes and stuff with this because it just it's perfectly it perfectly sits where she should be singing from and yeah I, I think that this is a solid single I do not understand the hate or the disdain for this song I see people rank even in that article that I read earlier about um, about soda pop they ranked soda pop higher than this one I just don't I don't I think people misinterpret this song I really do yeah to me it's really strange to hate it so much and I guess also like symbolically I feel like it's very exciting especially now given the role kind of that Cher played like she was one of the only big people at one point Mm -hmm. that was talking about Free Britney yeah and I hope I can't wait for them to go to San Tropez soon ice cream but like I feel like that kind of passing of the torch thing of like a one icon to someone who wasn't an icon yet but would grow to be like Britney is definitely on Cher's level now and is one of those once in a generation divas or legends or whatever name you want to use for what they are and so I feel like it's actually pretty cool that this is on Britney's debut album it's linking her back to somebody as significant pop culturally as Cher well, <clears throat> I, I don't know if I have anything else to add. I'm kind of sad to be ending this because I've this has been really fun. This made me really happy because A, I love speaking with you, but then also I really hope, you know, we've had, I mean, for good reason, we've had to spend so much time talking about everything that Brittany's gone through the last 13 years to raise attention of her situation yeah. for it to be changed. And I still, I mean, I don't know about you, but in some ways I'm still having trouble wrapping my head around the fact that Friday really happened. Like yeah. that we're talking about Brittany in a world where Brittany is free. And that like, if you're streaming her music today or you listen to any of these songs that Brittany can make money off of that stream, like a very small, small amount. But right. I, it makes me really happy to be talking about something that I feel like goes back to why we love Brittany and Brittany's artistry, because I really hope now that that's what we can bring a lot of the conversation back to. Not to say, obviously, there's the whole revenge chapter that needs to happen. And I hope that Brittany gets what justice in whatever way she's looking for it. And I hope that Lou and Larry and Jamie and Lynn and all of these people are investigated to the full extent and held accountable in all of the ways that they can be legal and otherwise. But like, I'm really excited to have the conversation move back to Brittany, the performer and Brittany, the artist, not to say she ever needs to be, you know, currently performing ever again, if she doesn't want to, but she's given us so much over the course of her career that Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to revisit all of that and remind people why Brittany is so great. Oh, that's the perfect way, the perfect, perfect way to end this. This was honestly, I had so much fun recording this with you. I'm so happy that we did it. Thank you for asking me. I, I love this album so much. Like, I'm sorry I talked your ear off, but I really like this is this to me is like 
a, like a childhood like highlight this this album to me well i'm also happy that we added another song to our um sister our song sister's episode. song that, i mean that talk about google everyone's i was like how those google docs doing this one has been an ice but it's about to be vitalized because <laughs> we got something to add well um aside from that i also definitely i i know we talked about this too but like I want to have you guys on to do a bonus because I want to talk about Autumn Goodbye. Like, you know, I want to, I really would love to compile maybe like four or five songs each bonus tracks and do an album review of just bonus songs. We w- that would be amazing. And yeah, I know when we did Original Doll, like we were kind of veering into that territory because there's so yeah. many songs that are, you know, rumored to have been part of that or associated with that, that are just not talked about enough. And some of them are really not known very much, but there's so many unreleased or B-sides that I, yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole, I mean, Autumn Goodbye, I feel like after, I don't know where the, you know, what the future holds for E. Pray Brittany. I mean, we, our second season is only going to be 10 episodes, I guess, because now the revenge chapter will be season three, but (laughs) I feel like maybe that's the next podcast we make is just us talking about Autumn Goodbye (laughs) over and over and over. Cause I, I really like truly, wow. Like, oh. Well, Lisa, thank you so, so, so much for doing this with me. I always enjoy talking to you so much. This was amazing. Thank you for having me, Troy. And I'm so glad to have been on this journey with you of, you know, the last couple of years with Free Britney. Yeah. And I can't believe we're on the other side of it and Brittany is too. And I'm so glad that she told us today that she was having a great day. I know. Like, yes, drive your Mercedes wherever you want to take it. All from. around. And then don't share the paparazzi <laughs> pictures of it. Just, right. you know, leave her alone. <laughs> well, tell people where they can find Eat, Pray, Brittany. So we are on Instagram and Twitter at ePrayBrittany. We haven't been recording as much right now. So definitely check out our Twitter because Jacqueline really breaks things down on there because there's so much that's still happening kind of breaking news wise, especially around like the court stuff. Uh, and then we also are on ePrayBrittany.com. All of our past episodes are on there. We have show notes uh, and we love talking about anything and everything Brittany anyone who wants to yell at me about from the bottom of my broken heart. Jacqueline, <laughs> Jacqueline does not stand by that opinion. She really likes that song, but tell me how wrong I am about it. So <laughs> you. well, you guys, I hope that you enjoyed this. Please go listen to baby one more time. Please go listen to the beat goes on. Listen to it first. Yes. Yeah. Start listen to it in reverse it. order. Start with that. And then second track is email my heart. You yeah. should be so lucky to hear them in that order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash solidlisten for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at DunzoPod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.